Hello and welcome to this edition of the Ian Abernethy podcast. You can watch videos and listen to other podcast episodes by visiting www.ianabernethy.com. So, without further ado, here's Ian Abernethy. Happy New Year. I do hope that 2009's been good to you. Uh, this is Ian Abernethy for the ianabernethy.com podcast. And this month we're going to be discussing a Chinto Kata, its history and its application and some of the key things I think you need to be aware of when studying uh, this particular form. Uh, before we get into that, uh, those who are subscribers to the free monthly newsletters uh, will have received a link on Christmas Day to a free ebook you can download uh, by Michael Rosenbaum. Michael wrote this book and would like to distribute it via our site and give it away for free, which is obviously very, very generous of him. It's a great book, a really good um, exploration of uh, karate history and its development and how we should view and um, think about kata. It's a great read. Uh, we've had several thousand downloads um, within the first few days that the book was released. So if you haven't seen that yet, and you know, where have you been if you haven't, but if you haven't seen it, if you go to the articles page of ianabernethy.com, uh, I think it's about the third link down, you'll see there's a link there to the page where you can download uh, Michael's book. Um, another bit of news, um, all early days yet, but um, we're looking at launching um, uh, an organisation like a society uh, for people who are interested in the pragmatic applications of uh, karate, who just think there's a need for a kind of group really to bring all our various factions under kind of uh, one umbrella so we can help promote what it is that we do and obviously help promote the people who um, who do it, you know. Lots of people out there doing really good stuff with applied karate who really don't get quite the credit that they should get. So we're looking to set up a like a body really to help kind of throw people forward and help, you know, advance the field and the people within it really. Um, so it's all very early days, but if you're interested in that, obviously just subscribe to the free newsletters and we'll, uh, we'll let you know... Um, how that progresses. Something I think we've needed for a while and I've finally got round to kind of sorting that out. So yeah, the, the Society of Applied Traditional Martial Arts is what we're doing and um, me and Helen are working hard to kind of get that, that set up. And so if you have any interest in that, obviously keep an eye on the newsletters. Um, yep, so I hope you had a great Christmas. I hope 2009 has been good to you. I hope you've made some good New Year's resolutions and you fully, <laughs> fully intend to stick to them. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, move on and discuss the history and application of Chinto Kata. Chinto Kata has a very interesting history, and it's necessary to have some understanding of that history if you're going to understand the kata itself. Now, the creator of the kata was said to be Soken Matsumura, who also went under the name of Bushi Matsumura, or Warrior Matsumura. The exact dates of his birth and death vary, depending on you know which historian you look at and which documents you look at. But he was born in the early uh, 1800s and died in the early 1900s. Um, now, he played a huge role in the development of karate, and he was um, also the chief bodyguard to three Okinawan kings, which should tell you a little about, obviously, the level of his fighting skill. Uh, Matsumura is believed to have studied under Tori Sakagawa, uh, Aiwa, Ason, uh, Kushanku, and crucially, is also said to have studied under a shipwrecked uh, Chinese martial artist, uh, sailor, who went under the name uh, Chinto. So, this sailor and martial artist became shipwrecked on Okinawa during the uh, 1800s and in need of shelter he set up home in a, a cave. Um, so finding himself without uh, resources Chinto began to steal food and livestock from the locals at night in order to sustain himself and, and provide for himself. 
Now, this unwelcome behaviour was obviously reported to the Okinawan king, who um, sent Matsumura to deal with it. Now, as you'd expect from someone holding the position of bodyguard to the king, Matsumura was a very skilled fighter who, you know, normally defeated his enemies with no problem whatsoever. However, you know, it's said that when Matsumura confronted Chinto, he found that the stranded sailor was a very skilled fighter, and the battle quickly reached a, a stalemate. Now, always keen to further and enhance his formidable skills, Matsumura is said to have made a deal with Chinto. So Matsumura said, you know, I'll provide for you and I'll help you return to China in exchange for instruction in your fighting method. And I was told this is how Matsumura began his study under Chinto. Now upon Chinto's return to China, Matsumura formulated a kata, named after the originator of the methods it contained, uh, to ensure that Chinto's methods were recorded and would be passed on to future generations. Now, many years later, when the kata made it to mainland Japan, uh, Gichin Funakoshi changed the name of the kata to Gankaku. Uh, which means crane on a rock, in reference to the crane stances, the one-legged stances found within the form. And he did this in order to give the form a, a Japanese name, and he did that with all the kata to make them uh, more accessible to the, the Japanese. Um, so in Shotokan today, the kata is known as Gankaku, and in the other styles it's known by its original name of, uh, of Chinto. So from this little bit of history, we know that the kata is a record of the methods that the great warrior Matsumura learnt from Chinto. Uh, we also know that Matsumura was interested in these methods because he thought them effective and because he'd not seen them before. This was something unusual to him. So essentially, uh, the kata, um, if this story is correct, is a record of the unusual methods in Chinto's armoury. Um, and the kata's bunkai, its application, is therefore very unlikely to be basic in nature. And Certainly my study of that kind of bears that out. My overall study of kata bunkai shows that most kata start by showing fairly basic fundamental skills, and as the kata progresses, so does the technical level of the skills shown. So it, it shows you things in the order that you should learn them. Start with the simple stuff, and then once you've got that mastered, we can show that in different situations, and we can build on it, we show our methods uh, can be combined. So there's a progression through most of the kata when you, um, you get into the bunkai. However, this isn't the case with Chinto, as it shows fairly advanced methods right from the start. Now, I would say this is almost certainly due to the nature of its creation. It's a record of the advanced things that Matsumura hadn't seen prior to his battle with uh, Chinto, you know. Or the alternative methods, even, that he hadn't seen uh, prior to that. But it's not um, basic stuff. It's a collection of interesting techniques, techniques that were interesting to Matsumura. So I'd like to think that in the first training session that uh, Matsumura and Chinto had together as uh, teacher and pupil, uh, these former combatants they may have broke down the fight as Matsumura learnt about the methods that had been applied upon him. Um, now, perhaps, Matsumura hooked his hand around Chinto's neck during the fight, only to have it wrenched off and then get punched in the head for his trouble. Now, that's certainly what the first part of the kata shows. Um, so, was that the first lesson that Chinto gave to Matsumura all those years ago? Um, the first movement of the form, where you drop back with the arms, um, hyperextends the uh, opponent's uh, elbow as it slaps the arm off the neck, and the dropping back and the turning of the body opens the grip up. Um, the second move um, locks the arm up, drops the opponent down, and positions them for two punches. Uh, it's always a bit difficult to describe in the podcast, but if you, if you check out the uh, Bunkai Jitsu 5, my DVD, um, on this cat, those methods are shown on there. Now then, maybe, following uh, instruction on how Chinto had got Matsumura's arm off his, his, his neck, maybe he showed how uh, he could have thrown Matsumura from the same position, because certainly that's what the next movement shows, the turning Idambarai. Um, if you use the initial same start uh, strip to get the, the grip off, the pivoting motion, the moving in, then seizes the opponent's arm, steps away and flips the opponent over the hips. Um, it's a motion that's often 
labelled as a kind of terming gidambarai. So I mean that's not a simple technique, but it's form found right towards the start of the kata, which again to me would emphasise Chinto kata's advanced nature. Um, as we say, it's, it's a record of the things that the great warrior, warrior Matsumura found uh, intriguing. You know, it's, it's not a, uh, um, a record of basic methods progressing onwards, as most kata are designed for a specific purpose, and record these uh, unusual and advanced alternatives, if you like. Um, now, those who study bunkai on a regular basis will obviously see that many of the techniques found within Chinto kata including the ones we've just discussed, are also found in Pinan Godan or Hian Godan kata. Now, the Pinan series of katas was created by Anko Itosu, who was a student of Matsumura's. Um, now, Itosu made these in order to, uh, for them to be a summary of the key methods practiced um, by him at that particular time. Uh, within the Pinan series, we can set see techniques and drills drawn from older kata, including uh, Pasai or Basai Dai, um, Kushanku, Kankudai and Chinto or Gankaku. Um, now, to me, it's no coincidence that the techniques drawn from Chinto are all found in the most advanced form of the Pinan series. The stuff from Chinto is found within Godan. Right? So the most basic bunkai is found within uh, Pinan Shodan, or Tian Nidan, to use Shotokan's modern-day terminology, uh, with each of the following kata in the series building on the last, such that the the, uh, the Pinan series represents a structured training program in uh, Itosu's old-style karate, if you like. Now, the fact that the Chinto elements are found late in the fighting system that is the Pinan series would again uh, reflect the fact that Chinto is a record of the things the experienced warrior Matsumura had not came across prior to his fight with Chinto. So there are no um, basics to be found in Chinto kata. Um, indeed, many of the drills within the form are longer and more intricate than would be found elsewhere. Now, it's, it's difficult to describe these um, drills in detail in a, obviously an audio podcast such as this um, but I'd like to briefly look at part of one of those drills in order to illustrate how cutters have changed over the years and how we need to be aware of these changes in order to make sure the lessons of the cutter um, are correctly understood and interpreted so if we just follow on from where we were following the throw that the turning it on if you like the throw that the cutter then performs a Georgian Jujuki, so an upper level uh, cross handed receipt, both hands open, upper level cross block if you like. Um, that's often what the movement's uh, labelled as. Um, now, the way I see that, that's response to the enemy seizing your wrist in an, an attempt to neutralise an attempted eye gouge. So you're close in, you put your thumb in the opponent's eye, he seizes your wrist. Um, you then push the enemy away as you cross your arms and assume the position shown by the cutter. So you, the opponent has grabbed your, if we're following the cutter exactly, it's the left hand that is grabbed. Your free arm then goes under your seized wrist and over your enemy's wrist. Okay. Um, then by following the cutter and pulling the arms in towards the centre, uh, the grip will either be stripped completely off, which is perfect because then you can continue striking, or if the enemy manages to maintain their grip, uh, which will probably be pretty strong considering you've just tried to take their eyes out with an arm you know so it's going to be a strong grip so it may not come off and if it doesn't come off then what will happen is that the wrist will be bent and as an instinctive response to that the enemy is very likely to bend at the waist now this is the bit i want to kind of focus on really so in in most modern versions of the cutter this pulling in is followed by a deep uh, leaping double front kick or a nidan gary um, but from the bunker we've just look, looked at this wouldn't fit the position of the enemy so I maintain that Nidangeri is a modern exaggeration 
and that the cutter originally instructed the practitioner to forcefully kick the lead leg twice, whack him in the shins twice, in order to break balance and bring the head even closer for the following techniques. Now there's strong evidence that Nidangeri was never in the cutter originally, and this evidence comes from a tale told by Gichin Funakoshi, who also studied under Matsumura and his students um, Azato and Itosu. Um, now in his book Karate Do My Way of Life, Funakoshi tells us that as well as being the chief bodyguard to the Okinawan king, uh, Matsumura also taught the king uh, martial arts. Now one day during a training session, the king and Matsumura were sparring, and the king attempted a Nidangeri, a jumping double front kick. Uh, now Matsumura felt that the king needed reminding that combat was a matter of life and death, and hence there's no place for such flamboyant methods. Um, especially when he's facing someone as skilled as, as Matsumura. So therefore, Matsumura counters the kick um, and ultimately sent a badly bruised king skidding across the floor of the dojo. Um, and we're told, well, Funakoshi tells us, that a now very unhappy king sacked Matsumura on the spot. Now, Funakoshi goes on to tell us how Matsumura got into a fight with a local engraver um, as a result of losing his job and won through... Uh, intimidation, he just kiided him and the guy couldn't fight, and that being the main point uh, that Funakoshi wished to communicate by telling us that story. He also tells us that Matsumura was ultimately reinstated, but one of the lessons for me in relation to Chinto Kata is that it's obvious uh, that Matsumura held Nidangeri in contempt, you know, he was, he was offended, he was annoyed when the king used it, so it's highly unlikely to have put such a method in a, in a kata that he created, even if it was part of Ch Chinto's teaching, which I doubt it was, we know that Matsumura just had complete disdain for it, so he wouldn't have recorded it, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have put it in. So I think we can be sure that Nidangeri, the jumping kick, is a modern test of athleticism, um, as opposed to the original combative method, which I think is almost certainly been the two low kicks described earlier. So we see that all the time in kata, low kicks get made higher and more flamboyant. So we have this low, fast, two sharp kicks to the opponent's shins, and that gets exaggerated into a leaping uh, front kick, you know. So I don't think it was there... Um, earlier. So although the kata gives us um, a record of Chinto's teachings to Matsumura, we've always got to keep in mind that it's a, it's a good record, but it's an imperfect record. Uh, now in particular, students of Bunkai must be sure to filter out what's for sure and athletic development um, from what's for combative use. Now that's a pretty easy task if we understand um, kata and its historical development. If you see a head-height sidekick in kata, you can bet your life originally it was a, a, a knee-height technique, you know. Um, so yeah. So anyway, so following on from these two quick, short, sharp kicks to the uh, the, the shin, the kata then shows us how to apply a, a strangle from that position, um, which would be the the gedanjujuki, like the lower um, cross block, which is basically um, trapping the opponent's head and arm and then pulling the the, the clothing across the the throat. Um, now, should the strangle fail, the kata then shows us to throw the enemy from the neck crank. It's a great throw. That it's a real powerful way of whipping the opponent right over. It's pretty brutal because you're throwing against the neck, but it's, it's a, a great technique. But, I mean, that could fail. The opponent might be really quick on his feet or he might not quite apply it right. Um, so what the kata then shows is it spins round and does the next lower cross block. It shows us how to re-secure an alternative strangle. Now, if that fails, the kata then shows us to keep control of the enemy such that we can deliver strikes to the base of the, the neck and skull, which is kind of the first uh, um, lowing, lower sweep from Kukutsudach. So you see this long flow is typical of the methods found within Chinto Kata. You know, we have 
um, an eye gouge, which leads to a, a, a locking of the wrist, which leads to two kicks, which leads to a strangle, which leads to a spinning the opponent round, which leads to another strangle, which then leads to a strike. You know, there's a long flow there. This isn't simple stuff. Um, so these are methods that should be studied after one has a solid grasp of the uh, the combative basics, really. They represent skilled alternatives that uh, could be used if the enemy is managing to neutralise the more direct methods shown by other kata. Um, at least that's how I see it, anyway. Um, so it's therefore right that these methods are taught late on in a student's martial education, as Chinto or Gankaku kata frequently is, even to this day. And so Chinto, it's, it's a great form. There's some really solid stuff in it. it uh, like most other katas, it covers a wide range of material, and as a standalone system of its in its own right, if you like, in and of itself, it has a lot of value. Um, but, but I think the thing that is interesting for me is its structure. It starts with kind of a fairly advanced methods. I mean, personally, I find it one of the most interesting ones to uh, to study. Um, it, it just it fascinates me. Some of the methods in it are really, really interesting, especially when compared to how certain scenarios are dealt with by other katas like Basai or um, Kashanku and things like that. So I think it's a, a really important kata to, to study in order to get a wider flavour of uh, the kind of methods that we have. Um, so anyway, I hope this uh, podcast has helped to convey a little bit about the history, uh, the nature and the applications of, of Chinto kata. I also hope it's encouraged you to explore some of the lessons of this intriguing kata in a, a greater depth. Because um, I think, you know, through Shinto kata, we have a living link to some fascinating teachings from a, a bygone age. So. so if you do want to know more, I mean, have a look at the uh, the Bunkai Jitsu 5 DVD, because that shows you all this and kind of explains kind of my interpretation and view of the form in, in action, really. Um, yep, yeah, so thanks for listening to this little discussion on Shinto kata. So that's it for this month's uh, podcast. Uh, just a couple of reminders. Uh, make sure you check out the free ebook, the comprehensive karate ebook. Um, as I said before, you can find that on the link uh, to it anyway on the articles page of iaienabernethy.com. So you go to the articles page of ian at ianabernethy.com. You can see the link to where you can download uh, Michael's uh, free book. Um, so yeah, that's it for this month. Um, as usual, all feedback will be gratefully received at ian at ianabernethy.com. Please let me know uh, what subjects you'd like me to cover in future podcasts, and I'll make sure that we get it done. So um, yeah, I'll sign off, and uh, here's wishing you a great start to 2009.